0: We are continuing these stories in John uh, that give us these face-to-face encounters with Jesus. This has been our Lenten theme, meeting individuals in John's gospel that we don't meet in the other gospels, individuals who have long conversations with Jesus, individuals who come face-to-face with Jesus in the midst of all of their own messy reality and their time and place, and Jesus speaks into their reality, meets them where they are, receiving their questions, their doubts, their fears. We began with Jesus in the wilderness, um, naming temptations that still tempt us today. We eavesdropped on Nicodemus' nighttime visit to see this man Jesus, to question Jesus, to try and understand what all of this was about, what this new thing from God was. Last week, the tension and the vulnerability of the moment as Jesus engaged the Samaritan woman at the well. And today we have another long story from John. It's a, it's a very long story, actually. Um, there are lots of characters in this story. They come and they go. You're going to hear lots of different voices. And this time, the story involves a healing. And then there's questions, over how this healing came about, questions about Jesus, and then a line toward the very end uh, that we should all notice. Surely we are not blind, are we? We're gonna be reading from John nine, but as we prepare to hear God's word this day, let us pray. Eternal God, in the reading of the scripture, may your word be heard. In the meditations of our hearts, may your word be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, may your word be shown. Amen. So reading from John 9, verses 1 through 41, 42. As Jesus walked along... He spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, No, but it's someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put mud on my eyes, then I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. He said, he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but we do not know how it is that now he sees, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah will be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind, and they said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already. And you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him, saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from. And yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born entirely in sins, and are you trying to teach us? And they drove him out. Jesus heard that they had driven him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment, so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, Surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would not have sinned. But now that you you say, we see, your sin remains. This is the word of God. For us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now there's something we have to name Um, at the beginning of this story. A worldview that existed at the time of Jesus and still exists today in a way. It's the belief that God... God is this all-powerful being that God dealt generously with you. If you were a good, faithful person, you would receive blessings. And if you were not, or if you did something, um, well then, watch out. We can see this way of thinking all over the Bible, um, especially in some of the Psalms. Um, I want you to listen to the beginning of the book of Psalms as Psalms opens. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. In all they do, they prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now, if you had to put words to this today, it would be what we would call the prosperity gospel. The the idea that if you pray enough, are good enough, if you're faithful enough, God will bless you. And if you're not being blessed, well, then you must have done something. Or you're just not faithful enough. Now, what the prosperity gospel voices don't really want to grapple with is that whole when bad things happen to good people thing. Um, They just want to convince you that blessing will come if you are just faithful enough. This is what the entire story of Job is about and dealing with. Challenging this notion. So John's gospel, this particular story, also challenges this notion with the story of the man born blind. Who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind. There's no pause, no discussion. Jesus just breaks through this time honored tradition neither this man nor his parents sin. sinned. And then using spit and mud, Jesus without being asked heals the man born blind. And Jesus instructs him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. Jesus extends to him an invitation to relationship and a journey toward transformation. As he walked along, Jesus saw a man born blind from birth. Jesus sees him, Jesus heals him, and Jesus sends him. This journey of discipleship. Has begun. But if you were listening, you knew this man's story is far from over. Immediately we meet the neighbors who see the man and they wonder, isn't this the man who used to beg? The man that was born blind? Yeah, it's him, some of them say, while others say, well, maybe it's just someone who looks like him. And the questions pour out, how did this happen? How were your eyes open? Where's the man you say gave you sight? They can't believe their eyes. Takes us back to that ending question, doesn't it? Surely we are not blind are we what happened what did you do what did he do how do you explain your new body your new self your new life your new sight how do you explain what we know cannot be and therefore cannot be explained how do we explain the work of healing and redemption in the person of jesus christ then in come the pharisees snatching the wonder right out of the story because they bring in a whole new level what's their issue you do know it's the sabbath right a man of god would never heal on the sabbath never break one of our religious rules therefore he cannot be from god The Pharisees don't want to hear nor believe this man's story because it opposes the story they want to tell. They want another explanation, one that leaves them in control, leaves the neat, tidy faith they've established well in place. I feel like this is part of the story that can really speak to the church today just listen to it again. This man is not from God because he is not this or he is this or he does not do that or he does do this or he didn't or does do something else. Fill in the blank, however you feel led to do it. For the Pharisees, it was breaking the religious law of Sabbath observance. But, but others said, How could a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. Which takes us right back to that question. Surely we are not blind, are we? Finally, the parents are sent for because no one is still satisfied. Just to make sure is this your son? Was this man really born blind? And if he was, how can he now see? But the parents want nothing to do with this tangled religious mess. So they say, yes, he is our son. Yes, he was born blind. But we don't know what happened. Ask him. He is of age. Everyone in this story has a reason for missing the healing work of Jesus Christ in their little corner of the world. They want it explained. They think they know how God works, or they're afraid. And the saddest part to me in this whole story is that everyone fails the man born blind. His community, the religious world, and even his family. A moment that should be celebrated and rejoiced over. A moment of healing and invitation. A moment that changes how this man will exist in the world forever. The wonder and beauty of the moment is missed. Lost because of all the questions of those who think they know better. Because of fear. He's asked repeatedly to tell his story over and over again. You hear his frustration in verse 27. I have told you already. The truth is, the man born blind cannot explain. He can only describe. Tell them what he knows. Say what happened and what he believes about it. He could not describe the change in his life to anyone's satisfaction. He could not explain away their questions, their doubts, their fears. But he could tell the difference in his own life. All I know, he tells the authorities, is that I was blind and now I see. And that should have been enough. He says, once I saw the world like this, now I see it like this. Once I believed this, now I believe this. Once I lived in a place that I I now see was blind to certain things. Now my eyes are opened, and here is what I see and know. Now there's three things about this story, um, and all three have to do with how this story begins and ends. So, chapter 9, it begins with us meeting this man born blind. Verse 1 As Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. Jesus sees him. He could have passed by, he could have not noticed. The way this story begins tells us something important about what the author of the Gospel of John thought was important about Jesus. Jesus sees us. As Jesus walked along, he saw. Now by verse 7, Jesus is gone. The focus is on the man and all the questions. But Jesus returns in the end, verse 35. Jesus heard that they had driven him out, and he found him. The way this story ends tells us something important about what the author of the Gospel of John thought was important about Jesus. Jesus finds us. And then, of course, the big question of the Pharisees after all of this plays out. Surely, we are not blind, are we? Surely we are not blind. Are we? Well, I don't know. I think in this story, it comes down to a matter of seeing ourselves and the others and the world as God does. And Jesus has shown us how to do that. Jesus re-enters the story, re-enters the life of this man, And the story ends by showing us what an encounter with Jesus can mean. You will be seen, you can be healed, you can be transformed, and you will have one who will find you and stand with you when you are cast out. The psalm that is given alongside this story in the lectionary calendar is Psalm 23. I think what we learn about Jesus in this story is also the reason that Psalm 23 is such a song of comfort. It tells us that God sees us, God finds us, God heals us and holds us, walks with us on the journey.